Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. There we go. You're awake. Good. Good morning. My name is Brandon, and I am the uh, campus pastor at our Lake Worth campus. And uh, I have the joy and the privilege to be teaching and preaching this morning. Uh, it's just so good to be a part of Community of Hope. If you're new here, I want to welcome you. We're so glad that you are with us this morning. You could be having brunch, but you're here. And uh, we are just so grateful that you're here with us this morning. Um, I'm so grateful to be a part of Community of Hope. Uh, I've been a part of Community of Hope for about 23 years now. Uh, this is the church that I was raised in, and uh, to come back and be able to serve on the pastor's team, uh, where we have uh, Pastor Dale and Pastor Trevor and Pastor Ephraim, where they pour into the younger leaders. Uh, you know, they're, they're not intimidated by us, but they're pouring into us, wanting to be better, wanting to live into our calling. And it's just such a joy and a privilege uh, to be here at Community of Hope with you. Um, yeah, thanks. Um, so, so glad uh, to be here. And I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, if you're like me, you have way too many leftovers, um, and you've taken plenty of naps and watched a lot of football, as you should. And so uh, it's just been such a, a wonderful season of celebration, and I love the Christmas season. Now, I know Jose shared earlier that he put his Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving. I'm just judging him a little bit because that is incorrect, because you have to eat turkey first. And then you can set up the lights. That's, that's, how, that's how you're supposed to do it. At least that's how we do it in the Weaver household, right? I mean, as soon as turkey touches my lips, I run for the Christmas tree, okay? That is the tradition. And uh, we love uh, doing traditions here at Community of Hope that really help us connect to the deeper mysteries of the Christian faith in a really new and, and a fresh way. And one of those ways in which we're going to be connecting during this Christmas season this morning is the Advent wreath. Now, the reason why we do the Advent wreath is because it is a physical representation of a spiritual truth. And I love how we found this tradition. It's from a man that dates back to the Middle Ages, and his name was Johann Weinkern. He was a Lutheran, German, Protestant uh, pastor who he was committed to working with the urban poor, and he would use the Advent wreath with children to describe to them the gospel, and the reason why we have hope in this Christmas season. This is their tradition that we have. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I love a real Christmas tree in, in my house. And it, it made me kind of wonder this week of like, who was the first person who brought a Christmas tree into their house? Like, who was it that like went out into the field, cut down the tree, brought it in, put candles, lit it on fire, and said, honey, look what I've done. You know, like that's, that's, that's a brave man. And this, this is a little bit different than that. And so this morning, I love that we get to come and we get to celebrate because the passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning, I think it beautifully displays why it is we have this Advent wreath. And so this morning, I would love to invite to light our Advent wreath this morning, David and Vicki Bonyard, if you guys would come up. And what I'm going to do is they come up and as they light this candle, I'm going to read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, where it's describing that Jesus is the light of the world. And so for the rest of this month, we know Christmas as the season of lights. So every time we see a light this coming month, I want us to be reminded of the lighting of this Advent candle that Jesus has come into this world to be a light. 
And so as they light this candle, I'm going to read for us John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one whom I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I am so grateful that you have made yourself known. God, I recognize that during this Christmas season, we are just more spiritually sensitive and aware of what is going on. So, Lord Jesus, as we enter into this season of Christmas, the season of lights, we are reminded that you are the light of the world, that once we were in darkness, but where there was darkness, your light shines. And so, God, I pray for those in this room who don't know what it is to be full of grace and full of truth. Would you reveal yourself to them new and afresh here this morning? God, we pray it in your name. Amen. I love the story uh, that John begins with. Uh, John is this very unique gospel. It's unlike uh, the rest of the gospels. We know that John is the last gospel that is written. We know Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written before John. And John, we know through historians, is the only one who wasn't martyred for his faith. He was the only disciple who wasn't killed for his faith. And so John has already seen what all the other writers are writing about. And so he does kind of this spin, his own perspective. And one of the stories that I love uh, historians tell us about John is that when he was older in his age and he really wasn't able to walk, he'd be carried on a mat to these Christian gatherings for these teachings. And uh, parents would be so excited, they would take their children and they'd raise them above their heads so they could look at this beloved disciple John. And so when John is writing to us, it's from this very unique perspective. And I love how John begins with this huge biblical idea, this huge truth. Because these 18 verses, they're so theologically rich, and I think if we begin to understand this first chapter, we could really understand the entirety of Scripture. And I think John really lends himself to three big ideas 
And this morning, I'm really hoping to lay the foundation for what we'll be talking about for the rest of our time in December. And really, I think it comes around three big ideas that John wants us to understand. And I think the first big idea is that Jesus has a hometown. He's got a true home. Now, why would he point this out to us? We see in verses one through five, it says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made and in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind, the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Because most of us, when we think of the Christmas season, we think of Jesus' hometown as being Bethlehem, right? We think of like the five pound, four ounce baby Jesus, right? But John, he's, he's starting in a totally different place. He's going way back. I mean, he begins with saying, in the beginning. John is referencing back to Genesis chapter one, where we see creation starting to happen in the beginning. And so John is pointing that Jesus, his hometown, the place where he resided, was in heaven with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but when I'm meeting someone else, one of the first questions we ask is, what do you do and and where are you from, right? Because largely speaking, where you're from, you you learn something about that person. You kind of get an idea. And I remember moving away from Florida for the first time and, and going to seminary, and I was telling people I'm from Florida. And they would kind of have this reaction like, we just wrangle gators, and you're like with these wild, crazy people. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not actually what we are. You know, you have this reaction when someone tells you their hometown, right? And I was reminded of this. Uh, we had this Friendsgiving over at our house about two weeks ago. We had the college and young adult group over at our house, and I was deep frying a turkey. If you haven't had deep fried turkey, do yourself a favor. It's amazing. And uh, so we're hosting about 20 people, and uh, they're from our Kimifope Espanol campus, from West Palm Beach campus, from the Loxahatchee campus. And I began asking some of our Espanol guys, you know, obviously you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, that's very American, but like when you celebrate, what are some of the foods that you eat? And they're like, well, instead of, you know, turkey, we kind of like a roasted or a suckling pig. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. You know, instead of mashed potatoes, we do rice and beans, and we do fried plantains, and maybe some sort of cheese bread or Cuban bread. And I'm like, man, I'm coming to your house for Thanksgiving. You know, we are celebrating next time over at your place. You know, and they begin to tell me about their hometown and what they loved about it and, you know, why they came here to the U.S. and all of these different reasons. And it just got me thinking, you know. We all, we all have a hometown, right? And it just got me thinking, but where, where, where am I from? And why is it important for us to know where we're from and and where the Lord is from? Because what John is pointing at is this deep theological truth that we see all throughout Scripture, and we call it the Trinity, where it's one divine person, one divine nature, but in three persons. We have God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son, Jesus Christ. That they were living in perfect unity, in perfect harmony, in a loving relationship with one another. And we understand part of this is mysterious. You know, our understanding is limited, but this is part of the mystery of our faith. And what I love about knowing about Jesus's hometown, and I think what you know about your hometown is that, you know, we eventually end up leaving our hometown, don't we? And when I, when I think about where I grew up, I grew up in Royal Palm Beach. I'm a Florida native. Any Florida natives in the room? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And I absolutely love being able to say, I'm, I'm a Floridian, you know, I'm a Florida native. And I found a picture, actually, of the house that I grew up in. This was in Royal Palm Beach, 100 Sandpiper uh, Boulevard. Absolutely loved this house. I have so many memories. And why is home so important? I think home is so important because this is the place where we learn our values. 
This is the place where we understand uh, our culture, the language that we speak, the food that we enjoy. I mean, this is where our identity is created, isn't it? This is the place where we're shaped and we're molded and we're formed. And I remember in our house, one of the things my dad would say is he would say, uh, weavers do blank. And he was trying to instill in us a value. One of the uh, values he would say is that weavers finish what they begin. Weavers finish what they start. And I remember this when I was thinking over the sermon. I just had this flashback to when I was um, playing soccer. And my brother and I, we love soccer. I have an older brother, Kyle. He's eight, year older, eight years older than I am. And uh, he was a much better soccer player than I was, but I would never have admitted to him at the time, right, as being a younger sibling. And I remember wanting to try out for uh, this soccer uh, team. And money was a little bit tight at the time, and I was needing new cleats and new shin guards. And I remember dad sitting me down at the table and saying, if you're serious, like, we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll get you the cleats. We'll get you the shin guards. But remember, weavers finish what they start. So if you go down this road you know, you have to go all the way. And I remember really thinking about it and, okay, I'm going to do it. And I remember going for tryouts and for practice. And I was this heavy set, pimple ridden, anxious filled kid. Okay. Who didn't like to run, but wanted to play soccer. Okay. (laughs) Just think about that. Right. And I love being the goalie because he ran the least. And so that was my place. But the first day, the coaches wanted to see how athletic we were. So they just kept, they just ran us, ran us, ran us to see what our cardio was like. And I quite literally left everything on the field about 25 minutes into this practice. And I'm embarrassed. You know, the kids are making fun of me. And I'm like, oh, no. You know, and in that moment, I just wanted to run home, crawl into a ball, and just die right there, right? And I remember begging my dad, like, don't, don't make me go back to practice. Like, please, I don't want to go back there. I'm so embarrassed. And I'll never forget, he looked at me. Weavers finish what they start. And you said you were going to finish. And so I went the next day. And we did practice the next day, and the third day they called and they said, you ain't on the team, (laughs) no surprise. And I remember just feeling ashamed and coming to my father and telling him, you know, I haven't made the team, and he just said, you know, did you try your best? You know, did you you leave it all out on the field? Which I did. There you go, you're getting it. And um, and I said, yeah, I've tried my best, you know, I've, I've done all I can. He's like, all right, well, you've done your part. You've done your part. You have finished what you began. And then we went out for ice cream, and it was awesome. And, and these are the values, uh, this is the culture of my house growing up. And wherever you're from, your hometown, your home, right, you are learning all of these different things. And you have been told what to value. You've been told what it is to be a weaver or whatever your last name is, right? You have a culture in your family, and I just love thinking about this, but we all leave our hometown, don't we? For one reason or another, we, we all leave the place where we were born. Maybe it's for college or for work. Uh, maybe you're getting married. Or maybe, quite frankly, the, the home you were in, you just wanted to get out of and never look back. And I remember the first time that I left my hometown, right? I, I shared earlier, I've been a part of Community of Hope for 23 years, a long time. Uh, My deepest relationships, my deepest friendships, the place where I came to know the Lord because his people were just so kind and the way that they showed me God's love in such a tangible way. I mean, the the place where I got called to ministry and the place where I now get to serve, I mean, it's just unbelievable, God's goodness. And when when I think about this of of leaving, uh, I left my hometown when Haley and I were getting married. 
Uh, Haley is Dale, our leading and founding pastor's uh, oldest daughter. Uh, He was here two weeks ago when I preached for the first time here, which was kind of ironic because it was on anxiety, and then he shows up out of the blue, and then my anxiety rose through the roof, you know? And, um, but I, what I will tell you about him is afterwards, he took me out and bought me lunch because he's a nice guy. And uh, he was nothing but complimentary. Um, and he's just such a loving person. And we have that relationship where we like to give each other a little jab every now and then. But I want you to know he's an incredibly generous and, and loving person as well. And uh, I'll never forget getting ready to move. And we were going to move to Kentucky. And uh, it was this place called Wilmore. It's about 30 minutes south of Lexington. And it's got two stoplights and three restaurants. I mean, it's not like Royal Palm Beach is a metropolis, but, you know, I was used to people having teeth. You know what I mean? It was a different place. And, um, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. Anyway, but uh, I, I remember we're going to be moving to this place. You know, I don't know anybody. No one knows me. You know, this is something new and fresh, and we're going to be newly married. How do we do this? You know, and I remember just driving the U-Haul and thinking, you know, Lord, is this... You sure about this? You know? And I remember him saying, yeah, I want you to be faithful. And it was the best three years of our lives. It was absolutely a a wonderful time. And I think I have a picture of the apartment, actually. Um, It was this tiny little apartment. There it is. Gosh, I miss it so much. It was just such a wonderful time where we began to work out what are our family values, all right? What do the weavers do now? What culture and values are we going to begin to establish And we have the same opportunity that God is inviting us into as well. Because the question is, why did Jesus leave his hometown? And I think the reason that Jesus left his hometown is so that we could know God is a God of grace and of truth. Read with me again, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. I love that John is saying that God can be known through Jesus Christ. And see, this is revolutionary. In every other religion, God is mysterious. Hopefully you're going to get to him on a good day. But what we believe here in Christianity is that Jesus is God and that we can know him, that he came to us so that we could know him on a first name basis. This is huge, that he made his dwelling among us, that he took on human flesh to know what it is to be fully man and to be fully God. And so if this is true, what John is saying, that we should focus on the character of of Jesus. How is he characterized? Because his character is the character of God. He is the perfect representation. And I love what he says here, that Jesus is full of grace and full of truth. Not one or the other, but both simultaneously, completely. Now, grace, we understand it, is undeserved favor. This is just out of the generosity of who God is. This is unmerited favor. He loves to be gracious. This means that Jesus loves us as we are, no matter what we have done. And I've met with so many people that uh, when I talk to them and they ask me, you know, what is that you do? And I tell them I'm a pastor. And, you know, they begin to explain why they can't come into church because it would fall down or catch on fire. And I'm like, listen, he already knows, you know, he already knows. And he accepts you as you are. That's the grace. But then there's the truth. And the truth of God is that he reveals to us our sin and what it is that needs to change in our life. But he does so as he loves us because he loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are.
John uses this metaphor of light, which gives us life. That is God's grace. But he also uncovers the darkness in our lives that need the light. That is the truth. Grace and truth. Truth is the place where God invites us into a space to be spiritually curious about our lives and where we are in our relationship to Jesus. And what I know about this area is that we have friends and we have loved ones that we want to come to know the Lord. Maybe you have grandkids, you have siblings, you have parents, but that's never going to happen until they start to see you living in God's truth in your own life. They need to see the example. But there comes a problem when we have an unbalanced or a wrong view of God. And honestly, it reminded me of kind of this funny story of when I was in high school and I weighed about 145, 150 pounds soaking wet. And I decided I was going to join the weightlifting team because, again, that sounded like a great idea. And I had, I had a buddy of mine. He basically looked like a full-grown man at 17. You, you know those people? And uh, he said, you know, I'll train you. Don't worry. Come to the gym. It's going to be great. And so I remember going with him. And, and it's, you know, this intimidating atmosphere where it smells like BO and some body spray that everyone was enjoying, you know. And I remember going in there, and I began to notice that, like, everyone's upper body was, like, physically sculpted, you know, massive, huge. But then when I look at their legs, it was like these wet noodles. It was just completely unbalanced, you know? Something is not right. And I think sometimes we can kind of have that view of God where we either focus so much on grace that we miss out on his truth and we make his grace cheap. Or we focus so much on his truth without his grace, it just becomes about the law. And so I think John is wanting to understand that Jesus is full of grace and he is full of truth all at the same time simultaneously. And I have some passages of scripture that I want to go one through another real quickly to display this idea of grace and of truth. We have John 8, 1 through 11, where this woman is caught in adultery and they're wanting to stone her to death, but Jesus doesn't condemn her. We see God's grace in that moment. But then he says this to her. He says, leave your life of sin grace, and truth. We see Luke 19, 1 through 10, where Jesus offers forgiveness to the tax collector, Zacchaeus, and he says to leave his life of sin. He gets invited into Zacchaeus' house. He accepts God's grace. And when we encounter God's grace, it leads us to an action. And Zacchaeus says, I'm going to repay everything I have taken. Because back in the ancient days, tax collectors would take two or three times the amount the Roman government wanted, and they would pocket the profit. And so Zacchaeus has this moment of confession when he's confronted with God's grace. And he just says, I'm going to pay it all back. He makes amends. God's grace and God's truth. We see Mark 10, 17 through 30. Jesus meets this rich young ruler. He goes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? He says, I've kept all these commandments since I was a boy. And Jesus says, you have, but you worship another God than me. You worship your possessions, grace and truth. And he tells the rich young ruler, sell everything and give to the poor and follow me. Grace and truth. And then John 14, one of my favorites. Jesus heals this invalid at the pool of Bethesda. Not for anything he's done because God is gracious. We see God's grace in that moment. And then he tells him to stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. Truth. We see Jesus perfectly melding these. And the last one is John 21:15 where Jesus forgave Peter for denying that he even knew who Jesus was. Ouch. Peter, one of his disciples, God gives him grace, but then he gives Peter an assignment. Take care of my sheep and follow me no matter what happens to you. Truth. 
We see that God has come down to us full of grace and full of truth so that we may know him and so that we can come home to him. We see that Jesus is inviting us. We see in verses 12 and 13, look what it says. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus is inviting us to come home. And there are many of us in this room where spiritually we are far from the Lord. And during this Advent season, this Christmas season, we are reminded that God has come to us to invite us back to him. And it reminds me when I was beginning high school in ninth grade and I was just worrying about entering this whole new world. Maybe you remember what that was like. And I remember coming to my parents and and just worrying and fretting and having anxiety about, you know, going into high school and not knowing anybody and it's this new environment. And I'll never forget, they just looked at me and they said, hey, you know, you can always come to us. Like, this, this is your home. Like, remember who you are. Remember your faith. And you can bring anything to us. Like, you, you have a home. And I feel like Jesus is telling us the exact same thing in this passage. That we have a home. That this earth is not our home. That this is the stopping place. That one day we will all see God face to face one day. But are we residing in that home here and now? So where is our home? Is it in our possessions? Is it our intellect? Do we find that we're making our home in things other than in Christ? Because what I know about my life and about your life, that if we're going to have any substantial transformative life change, it is through the power of Jesus Christ alone. I mean, that is why we celebrate this Christmas season, that Christ came to be with us. We are created in his image. We get to know who God is. It's not a mystery. We have the guidebook right here that he has given to us and we have Christian community to help one another as we strive together and I absolutely love that we have a home place that when we are unsure we can come to the Lord who is with us I want to go ahead and I want to invite our band up and as we do I want you to think about what is stopping you from feeling like you can come home I mean, what is stopping you? Like those people I've had those conversations with, they feel like, man, they can't come to church. They can't come to God with their whole selves or their real selves. I mean, what is it that is hindering your relationship with Christ? And would you be spiritually curious enough all throughout this December to really lean in and say, Lord, I might not be sure about these things, but I know that you're with me and I know you're gonna meet me. And would we as a community just lean into this season of lights and would we be reminded that Jesus is the light of the world. Would you pray with me? Lord, I am so grateful that you left your hometown. Lord, you were in perfect peace with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit, but yet you left so that we could get to know you. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the sacrifice that you have made for us, that you left your hometown so, Lord, that we could have our home in you. Lord, that we keep our eyes on the things that are eternal, but not just this temporal world. Lord, this is just a way stop. But one day we will all come to see you face to face. And Lord Jesus, I pray that right now we begin to participate in the inbreaking of your kingdom here and now, that we get to be your hands and your feet. Lord Jesus, I thank you we don't do it alone, but you've given us and you've surrounded us with Christian community. Lord, of like-minded believers who realize you are the way, you are the truth, 
and you are the life. Lord Jesus, I pray that this December, it would be different, that your presence would be what we seek above everything else. Lord Jesus, shine in our lives which are dark, which are without hope. Come, Lord. We need you and we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Church, I hope that you were encouraged maybe to take one step forward in whatever circumstance you're in closer to the real Lord Jesus as Pastor Brandon challenged us in grace and in truth. And as Pastor Brandon was preaching, I thought of this scripture that I wanted to read over us as a blessing as we go into our lives this week. So if you would stand, if you're able, and receive this blessing with all of us. Paul writes in Romans 8, 37, he says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in other words, there is nothing that can impede you from coming home. Nothing at all to his arms. Church, would you go? Be blessed. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.